Right. The next thing for me to do is to introduce our preacher. And uh, I was just thinking to myself, this is probably uh, probably a COVID lockdown highlight is the fact that we have got to know um, Daniel Goodman much better in this season. We've been able to see him much more regularly. He's been uh, very present amongst us on Sunday mornings, but also uh, with us as a team. And uh, it just feels very safe having him with us. We love his wisdom. We love his uh, care for us. That's a genuine care and concern for us as a church family. And uh, he is also a very, very gifted teacher. And so we're thrilled to have him with us again. Let's uh, hand over to Daniel. Wonderful. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, what a joy it is to be with you again, um, speaking to you from my spare bedroom here in Cambridge. And um, I've been reading Paul's letters a lot uh, recently. And, and making these uh, these sort of Zoom calls kind of reminds me of Paul writing letters to the churches. It, he wanted to communicate to them and uh, I want to communicate to you. Now, one of the things that Paul did when he... Um, wrote those letters was he used two phrases quite often. One of them was to call the churches uh, saints, and the other one was to talk about them as the church of God. I wonder if you've ever thought about those two uh, little phrases. What does it mean to be a saint? Some Bible translations will have holy ones, because that's what it means, holy ones, people who are set apart for God. You Peterborough, Life Church Peterborough are set apart for God. One way I think about that sometimes is of that experience where you go into a Starbucks and um, you're getting a coffee to go. And uh, they'll often ask you for your name. So you might say, uh, I'd like a latte. What's your name? My name's Fred. And then they'll write it on the side of that cup. I've just done a little drawing. And, uh, and then when, when they've made the drink for you, they set it on the bar. And although there might be loads of drinks up there, yours is the one with your name on it. It is set apart for you. And we, the Church of God, are set apart for God. His name is on us. There's nothing that we have done. We've just received his grace. So we are saints set apart. You, Life Church Peterborough, have received the grace of God, been made righteous, and have been set apart for Him, like that cup with its name uh, written on it. You have God's name written on you because you're set apart for Him. Secondly, Paul talks about the church of God. Now, that word, word ecclesia, gathering, in Greek thought, an ecclesia, a gathering of citizens, was a place where the citizen's voice was heard. An ecclesia, a gathering of citizens, where the citizen's voice is heard. But you are not just a gathering. You are the church of God, the gathering of God. You are the gathering of God's people where God's voice is heard. Do you see the difference? Not a gathering of citizens where their voice is heard, but a gathering of God's people where God's voice is heard. And that's my real hope today, that you, Life Church Peterborough, set apart for God, will be hearing God speak to you today. We're looking at 1 Kings in chapter 18, and that's the story of Elijah 
praying at the top of Mount Carmel, praying for rain. It's a story of a prophet. And I just want to make a couple of remarks about that. I get uh, a lot of people asking me questions about the gift of prophecy and the different categories of prophets. What's the difference between a New Testament prophet and an Old Testament prophet? I just want to make one comment at this point. There are as many expressions of the prophetic gift as there are prophets. There are as many expressions of this gift within you as there are people with that gift. That is to say, I try to resist oversimplifying the prophetic gift. If you think simply about prophets in the Old Testament, you'll notice that they don't all fall into one category in, in simple terms. You might have someone like Isaiah, who is prophesying to nations and is even prophesying Christologically about Jesus and is a author of you know, a huge book of the Bible. But if you compare that to someone like Moses, Moses is talked about as being a prophet. By a prophet, you brought God's people out. He's talked about as being a prophet, but he doesn't prophesy in the same way that Isaiah prophesies. Or you can compare it to someone like Nathan. Now, Nathan was a prophet who confronted King David with his sin, but he didn't write any scripture. Or Elijah. Elijah prophesied, again, uh, to kings and to nations, but didn't have a book named after him. Uh, Daniel prophesied apocalyptically about the end times. So I just want to just want to help us realize that there are very, very different types of prophetic gift in the Old Testament. They don't all fall into one category. And Elijah is one of those prophets. And James has this to say about Elijah. James says, this is uh, James chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when we pray, then when he prayed again, the sky uh, sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. James in the New Testament, writing about this incredible prophet, Elijah, says he was a man just like us. He prayed. That's really, really important. Let's not think of someone like Elijah in a completely unique category, like a superhuman Christian. No, he was a man just like we are. Sure, he had a gift of God upon him, as, as we all do in various different ways. But he prayed. He trusted God. So let's look at uh, the story in uh, 1 Kings uh, You'll know uh, from recent sermons like Dan's that um, the sort of immediate history that we're looking at is one of a divided nation. Okay, so Israel has been divided. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. There's been a divorce. Can you imagine... God's grief over that situation. 
I heard someone say once that in terms of parenting, a parent is only ever as happy as their least happy child. And um, I can imagine God looking at his children and seeing this thing that has happened and feeling great, great, great sorrow. And uh, in the Northern Kingdom, in Israel, various kings have risen to power. And at this point that Elijah's prophesying, there's the king Ahab. And he's not a very nice piece of work. Here's what it says about him. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. And as though it was not enough to follow the example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. So he begins to worship false gods. This leader of God's people is worshipping false gods. First, Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. A very, very, very sad, sad, sad state of affairs. Not only are God's people divided, but the king of the northern kingdom is leading them further away from God to worship false gods. And into that situation, this is what happens. Uh, Kings, 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah, was, who was from Tishba in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel, the God that I serve, there will be no dew and no rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, in England, we don't very often experience severe droughts. We might uh, have hose pipe bands and that sort of thing, but that uh, tends to be quite preventative. Where, when you've lived in parts of the world where droughts mean death and famine, this really, really was a very serious state of affairs. Israel in the Middle East, this hot, 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 arid place with no rain for three years is absolutely devastating. And it says of Elijah, immediately after he'd said that, then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide. So this this man of God, Elijah, this prophet, prophesies to the king there's going to be no rain and immediately goes into hiding or as we might say these days, goes into lockdown. And Dan preached last week about uh, coming out of lockdown, how Elijah came out of lockdown with this incredible showdown with the prophets of Baal. And even though Ahab was trying to kill him, was pursuing him to kill him, um, when Elijah felt God speak to him, he came out of lockdown, he came out of hiding and uh, spoke to Ahab and challenged him to this duel between him, his God, and Baal, between the prophet of God and the prophet of Baal. And they had this incredible showdown with the sacrifice and the fire and the water. I won't tell that story again. But just as that finishes, 
our story picks up. So this is First uh, Kings chapter 18. This is the story of Elijah at the top of Mount Carmel praying for rain. There's been three and a half years of drought. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Wow. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed down low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I see a small cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Imagine a man looking out to the horizon and seeing just a blue sky. And then the seventh time he sees a tiny, tiny cloud about the size of his hand on the horizon. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. The rain mean this tiny little cloud on the horizon. And soon the sky was black with clouds and heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave him special strength and he tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. What an amazing story. Now, I want to really simply give you a, a framework for processing God's voice. And we've heard God speak this morning through those two um, contributions uh, from Paul and Gaz. So God has spoken, what do you do? I've done some illustrations. When God speaks, weigh it, pray it, and obey it. Okay, I noticed that there were a few life groups who are following the preaching series. So see if you can remember this midweek. Weigh it, pray it, and obey it. I'm not saying uh, this is what this passage is teaching us specifically, but I'm just trying to share a couple of things that I have learned about hearing the voice of God. So Elijah, hears God, prompt him to pray for rain. He feels like now is the time. He said to Ahab, um, there won't be any rain until I pray for it. And something's happened in his heart where he feels now is the time. He's heard God speak. And so he has to weigh it. Now, Elijah is quite an astonishing character in terms of the way God supernaturally deals with him. He goes into hiding He's fed by ravens, which is absolutely incredible. Then in this time of drought and famine, he's fed by a, a widow whose oil never runs out. And later on, he's fed by angels. He has stood at the top of the mountain and called down fire from heaven. And now uh, God is talking to him about praying for rain. So he has an experience of God. He has a track record in God. He has reason to believe that God is speaking. 
when God, you feel God speak to you, you need to weigh it. You need to go process through a process where you say, what does the word of God say about this? What do other people say about it? What is my story in God? What is my track record? Um, what is God doing at the moment? I, uh, I've had many experiences where people have um, prophesied over me. And there was one time where we were longing for children and we'd been uh, waiting for a number of years without being able to have children. We weren't sure why that was. But in a prayer meeting, um, a, dear, a dear brother in our church laid hands on us and he prayed and he prophesied that on a specific date we would have children. And I can remember instantly, instantly feeling that isn't right. And I can remember taking Anna aside after that prayer, just saying, um, I don't think we should get our hopes up. As soon as he prayed, I just felt discernment came to me that that wasn't, that wasn't accurate. Now, prophets make mistakes. The, the Bible specifically says when you prophesy, you prophesy in part. You will prophesy in part. Okay, so uh, all prophecy is in part. I just felt God gave me discernment. So when you hear... God speak, when one of God's servants speaks to you, you do need to weigh it. The Bible tells us that in many different ways. He weighed it. He decided he was going to run up to the top of the hill uh, and pray it. You have to talk to God about what he's saying to you. One of the ways I pray about what God's saying is uh, through just a prayer journal. I find it a really helpful way to focus my mind on very specific things. The Bible tells us not to pile up loads of words endlessly, but it also tells us to pray without ceasing. So what I try to do is I try to focus on very specific things that I pray to God for uh, again and again. Weigh it, pray it. God is the, the branch, uh, God is the vine, and we are the branches. We need to remain in him. We need to draw on him. Anything that God uh, gives us will come through uh, a relationship with him, with talking to him about it, not through our efforts. Weigh it, pray it, and obey it. Elijah had to actually go up to the mountain and cry out to God, send his servant to look. And six times he was disappointed Six times he was disappointed. I know God's spoken. God's gave me favor with Ahab because he hasn't killed me instantly. And he's done what I've asked. He's agreed to this challenge. He's even gone off to have some food. But I know God is with me. But where is this rain? Where is this cloud? But he didn't give up. And seven times he prayed. Seven times they looked. And then as soon as he saw that tiny little bit of evidence, he responded to it. It reminds me of Simeon. Uh, it's character in the New Testament in the book of Luke. And it says that Simeon had had God speak to him, saying that he would see the Messiah. And so Simeon, this elderly man, was going to the temple and waiting for God. And then one day, Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus to the temple. And Simeon, I can imagine him holding this tiny newborn child. I don't know exactly how old Jesus was at this point, but in my mind's eye, he's a tiny newborn child. And he says, surely this is uh, the Messiah. It's like Elijah sees a tiny cloud uh, on the horizon. Simeon sees this tiny baby, and yet he knows he will be the saviour of the world. Elijah sees that tiny cloud and knows this is going to change everything. This is going to bring the drought to an end. This is going to bring life 
to this land. This is going to bring food to this people. Simeon sees this tiny baby and he responds, this is the Messiah. This is the savior of the world. Now we live in light of the the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We have rain from heaven. We have life in God. But we also live between the now and the not yet, looking forward to Christ's second coming. The first coming of Jesus, the incarnation was part of a big plan. The second coming of Jesus is part of a big plan. And we need to look with eyes of faith at what God is doing. God speaks to us personally. So when God speaks to you personally, you need to weigh it, pray it and obey it. But God also speaks to us universally through his word of God. And we also need to weigh that, pray that and obey that. God is coming again. and We need to pray it in. We need to obey the things that God has said to us. God is mighty. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to sing together. God, I look to you. Be my vision. We long to see God. We long to see with the eyes of God. We long to see with God's perspective and to see ourselves in that perspective. And the way we do that is to raise our eyes to him, to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. So before we sing together, let me just pray. Father, thank you that like a small cloud on the horizon, you came as a baby, not very impressive, not with uh, a huge army, not with banners and trumpets. uh, And yet those with eyes of faith could see you were to be the savior of the world. Thank you for people like Simeon and Anna who saw with eyes of faith. Thank you for Elijah who saw on the horizon a tiny cloud, a tiny cloud, but a massive message. And I pray that as we look to your second coming, as we long for it, Lord, we would weigh the things that have been said. We would pray them, pray them in. Your kingdom come and we would obey that you've spoken to us. Amen. Amen. What an encouragement, friends. Feels like God has been speaking to us clearly this morning. And uh, I would like just to, just one more opportunity to respond. And uh, I want to maybe invite you to, uh, uh, to, to be brave and to uh, respond in the next couple of moments. There's the reactions at the bottom of your screen. I wonder if, if you feel this morning uh, that God has been speaking to you about uh, a need for, for for faith to rise in this season, if you feel uh, like Dan was describing the, the small cloud on the horizon, uh, the, the things that God has been speaking to you, but, but you need a fresh sense of faith to emerge in this season, we would love to pray with you. Uh, maybe that's a, a faith for the season that you're going through, as uh, we were reminded as Paul uh, talked to us earlier, or maybe that's um, faith for what it is that's that's ahead of us, that God has birthed something within you that you really feel called to and, and, and you want fresh uh, faith to rise in your heart. I, I would love for us to pray together as a church family for those things. Uh, so if you feel that that's you, maybe you can just give us a thumbs up or, or an indication, uh, react on your screen. Uh, if your screen's off, it's not a problem. We don't need to know the details. Uh, but I would love for you just to respond in some way and then we'll spend a couple of moments just praying together as a church family.
Wonderful. Father, we, we want to pray with our dear church family uh, gathered uh, across these many screens as I look at them now with many hands raised, uh, thumbs up, uh, indicating that, that they are, are, are looking to you, seeking you, Father, for uh, faith in this season. And uh, without knowing all the details, Father, I want to pray that faith would rise as we wait on you, as we've been reminded of this morning, faith would rise in this season as we trust you. We, uh, we, are, we are seeking after you in this next season. And, and whatever, uh, whatever it is uh, that is, uh, that is in my dear brothers and sisters' hearts as they're responding now, Father, I want to pray that you would meet with them in their lounges, in their uh, living rooms. Father, they, you'd meet with them freshly now and bring a fresh sense of your faith. Uh, ignite their hearts afresh. Birth fresh hope this morning, I pray. Would you strengthen hearts this morning? Would you, uh, by your grace, meet so closely? Father, I'm just looking across the different screens now. Father, I want to pray for just a fresh sense of, of your faith emerging. What a wonderful uh, encouragement that you have given us this morning, that you would strengthen your church. And Father, I want to pray that you do that now. You'd meet with people who pray in your precious name. Amen. Well, friends, I can see lots of people responding there. It'd be great if you could share that with somebody else, uh, somebody that you're close to, maybe in your life group. Uh, in, uh, just invite them to pray with you and join with you in this journey. Otherwise, we're, we're back here next Sunday. Uh, Tope is going to be preaching to us uh, on the next part of this uh, Troublemaker series, which we're very much looking forward to. It's been great to be together, friends. Really great to be together. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing with us. It's been excellent to have you with us too. Friends, have a wonderful week and uh, look forward to seeing you all soon uh, or in a life group in the coming days. Have an excellent week.